You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right across the Restream Room. Zoom Room sounds better, but we're on Restream now because we are free across all platforms. That's right. Not just Spotify, not just Stitcher, not just Apple Pods, where I know you're all listening and you're all about to go give us a five-star review. We're on the YouTube. We've been there for a week now, and I am excited to start week two of YouTubing. we got Golden Retriever in the background. Drake, before I go to you, I want to let the audience know what's going on if you're watching this video. As y'all know, I'm a road warrior, all right? I'm all over the place. I had to go to Austin, Texas for a conference this week. Had to come up to D.C. for a wedding. So before I hit my flight back, uh, what is today, Sunday night, came to the office so I could use our beautiful video conferencing software to record the podcast for you all and bring you this content because, Drake, I wasn't going to miss the episode after beating UNC for the second time in a row, making both Mac Brown and Sam Howell winless in their careers against the Florida State Seminoles. With all of that out of the way, folks, again, thank you for making us your first listen wherever you're listening. Make sure if you're listening to us on YouTube, you hit the subscribe. Tomorrow is going to be Tape Tuesday for the first time. I'm going to break down film with you guys, so you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed on YouTube so you see that in video. If you're listening on the pod, like I said five seconds ago, give us five stars. Drizzy, how are we, buddy? We're doing good, man. We're doing good over here. I'm trying to make sure that my dogs and keeps playing with the one squeaky toy she has right now. So I don't know if you saw me putting, pushing the little mute button, but I went to bed last night being extremely thankful, extremely happy. And then I just prayed to God that, Lord, can we play UNC every weekend? Because we would never, ever lose. It was just a magical day yesterday, Max. Well, you know, I said last week, this game was the the battle. Oh, by the way, guys, this light's on a motion sensor, so I apologize for whatever it's doing. <laughs> You're going to be doing this. I'm, try- I'm trying, It's and then that time it didn't turn on. But, folks, we said last week this game was the battle of the unknowns. We didn't know what to expect from either team. Both teams have been wildly inconsistent, and we saw – them be more inconsistent than us, I guess. So today we're going to do the same format we did last week for our Monday show. We're going to have a meal. I like a post-game meal. I remember, uh, Drake, where was your post-game meals when you were a kid? You were a baseball player. I bet it was Beefo Brady's, wasn't it? Beefo Brady's? No, we don't have that down here, man. We go to Poyer's oh. with a call, bro. Come on, man. Why would it be okay, in well, that's where I don't know. That's where we always went after baseball. But after football games, we would go hit the CC's Pizza and we would just demolish the pizza bar. So this, like CC's Pizza... We're going to have an appetizer. Then we're going to give you the main course. Typically, that would be the good, the bad, and the ugly. This week, though, it's going to be the good, the bad, and the awesome. And then we're going to wrap it up with a little bit of dessert to send you all off on a high note to take on your Monday. So, appetizers for this week. UNC gets defeated by Florida State 25-35. Drake, High-level takeaways before we really get into the meat of this game. What's up? Our wide receiver showed up. And I want to specifically point out to one kid that we have been saying, like we've been kind of disappointed in, me personally, because I thought he was going to have a much better breakout year. But the past two games, 
Keyshawn Helton has actually kept us in a lot of these games, whether it be the touchdown catch over the middle with the fastball that Jordan Travis threw with Adam for the Syracuse game. And then with the toe tap on the sideline, that's a that's a catch that even in the NFL is hard to beautiful. make. It was beautiful, beautiful. It was perfect. And then you have Ontario Wilson actually catching the ball, not only once with a low throw in the end zone, but also streaking across the middle. So it's like our wideouts were a primary reason that we won the game because then the DBs, whether it be Tony Grimes or Jaquarius Connolly for UNC, had to respect them. So for me, it's the wideouts, and that was something that you, if you ask me or Dave or yourself, we did not expect to come into the game. I t- totally agree, man. I mean, the wideouts showed out. Look, we've been really high on Malik McLean since the spring game, and he finally got his first touchdown, a five-yard grab. Nothing nothing crazy to write home about, but congrats to him for getting that first touchdown. For me, my appetizer, high-level takeaway is we finally did what I've been begging us to do all year. We played 1950s football. We ran the ball. What do we run? Seven. I had the box score up a second ago. We ran, it looks like, 13, uh, It's okay, it's not in the box. We ran roughly, what, 65 plays or so? Um, I think it was something about around there. We Yeah, we had 13, 13 uh, throws, 13 passing attempts, 41 rushes. We ran 54 plays, 41 of them were on the ground. Guys, that's like 84% of our plays were on the ground. Finally, we, I mean... Drake, how many times have I said that? I said, if you have to play 50s football, just play it. You've got Treshawn Ward. You've got Jay Sean Corbin, two Sean as we call him. And you've got Jordan Travis. Just do that. And hey, you know what? It was a winning formula. So I think this was a brilliantly executed game plan by both the coaches and obviously the players who had to execute it. And not only that, I think the game plan was vastly different from Syracuse. If you remember from Syracuse, we had a lot of screen passes. Mm-hmm. This game, we had maybe one maybe two in a primarily with a lot more inside zone runs, outside runs. And well, yeah, we rushed it 41 times and this is going to shut up a lot of people out there on Twitter that were like, just run the damn ball because we, we also just dominated the line of scrimmage. Our, our offensive line looked much, much better, you know, going in. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I think that it was one of those things where we saw a, uh, a proof of concept isn't the right word, but we saw now it's believable that Dillingham and Norvell know what they're doing. And I think last week, the reason I did my tape breakdown, which y'all can see on our YouTube channel, I, I broke down the screen pass because Dillingham got up there in his press conference and he basically, you know, basically said, Hey, we did the screen pass because we were trying to exploit soft zone coverage. They weren't coming up on us and pressing. So we were going to keep hitting the screen pass. A lot of people called BS. They said, no, this team's just one dimensional. They can't do anything else. And I think you see that screen, that, that, game plan with the screens last week where they were exploiting soft zones. And you see in my tape breakdown that that's exactly what they were trying to do. That's exactly what worked. And then you look at this week and they threw like what three screen passes. Maybe this game plan was entirely different and entirely adapted to the team they were playing. So if nothing else, this proves that there is a method to their madness with these coaches, but I want to get into the main course in just a moment after I tell the folks about prize picks. Guys, if you like daily fantasy, if you like that kind of prop style, let me try to get some wins here by doing this or that, um, prize picks is for you. Uh, I quite enjoy prize picks. It's really simple. You basically draft a team of three to five players, and each player has a uh, an over-under set for their position group, right? So maybe it's uh, uh, Jordan Wilson, and it's over-under one and a half catches or 
you know, maybe it's Malik McLean over under 40 receiving yards and you pick which way you think that's going to go. And if your whole team hits the given over or under that you selected, then you win and you win money. What makes it cool is unlike most daily fantasy where you're playing against these pros that have computer algorithms and they're going to beat you every time, you're only playing against yourself. If you select right and your team wins, again, only playing against itself, you make money back on your entry. So go to prizepicks.com, download it from the App Store. It's on the Android Google Play Store. It's also on the Apple App Store. And use promo code LOCKEDON to get $100 matched on your first deposit. All right, man. So let's get into the meal. We get we do the good, the bad, the ugly. I let you do the first appetizer, so I'm going to do the good. I've got three things I'd like to hit. One, this is a disciplined football team now. I mean, we have gone from highly undisciplined to this team is buttoned up. We got five penalties yesterday. Three of them were in the first three drives. So after the first three drives, this team got two penalties all game. Heck. In the last three games, we've combined for two more penalties than we got in the Notre Dame game. That's how disciplined this team's been. And if you look, that was a massive difference maker in this game. I believe North Carolina had over 11, 12 penalties. Yeah. 12 penalties for 110 yards. 12 penalties for 110 yards versus our five penalties for 50 yards. Now, not all penalties are created equal. Would have loved to not get that fourth and one jumped off sides by Robert Cooper. But I bet they would have loved not to get that roughing the passer on Jordan Travis on what was already a 45-yard throw. That put us right in the scoring range that eventually was capped off by a five-yard touchdown pass. So very disciplined football team. I love to see that. Secondly, guys, this is what we were talking about. I know everyone comes at me. I don't know if y'all read T-Don's review in Five Star Friday. He didn't say this explicitly, but I know I'm the excuse maker. I know I'm the optimist, the well, we could have won if we did this. We could have won if we did that. I think we saw a healthy Florida State team for the first time. Some of these guys are still banged up. It stinks that DLT went down. But because Mo Smith was healthy, we got Baby on at guard instead of having to, you know, put, gosh, I don't know what, Jalen Goss at tackle and slide everyone over, whatever we would have. You know, let's not even go down that road. Let's not even go down that road. But you know, you get my point. Jordan Travis, for the first time, looked absolutely healthy. And guys, I'm just going to take it because I want to I want to toot my own horn. A healthy Jordan Travis is a terrifying prospect for opposing defenses because that is what you get when you get a healthy Jordan Travis. 11 for 13. Let's take out his four screen passes. He was still that would have made him like what? 6 or 7 of 9 had three touchdown passes, added two more on the ground, and he you could just see it all game. Once he broke that first big run, they decided oh, crud, we actually do have to account for him the way we thought we did, not the way the tape from the first game showed us we would have to, where we could kind of do a soft spy where the spy can also leak out into coverage if they need to. And it just opened up the field like crazy. So disciplined team, healthy team, and finally getting to see what Jordan Travis really can be when he's at 100%. Those are my three good right there. What about you, Drake? I'm probably going to have to go with the offensive line, primarily, we have a, even though DLT did get hurt, we finally saw Robert Scott, who he looked a little bit gimpy. You could tell the injury was still holding him back a little bit, but this game, he looked athletic. He would swing out to the left, swing out to the right. He actually held his blocks because 
That defensive line of UNC is actually pretty decent with the Miles Murphy and Timon Fox, as we discussed on Friday. And then also, I think Babyon actually stepped up really big because DLT, you know, went out, I want to say, halfway through the second quarter. And he held his own, like, pretty well. So it actually was really surprising. And I could, you saw Cam McDonald and Jordan Wilson actually block pretty well, too. So the blocking in general, to me, was, like, one of the biggest goods there. I mean, and then zero, I got to get We allowed zero sacks. When's the last time we allowed, we allowed zero, zero sacks? And that hasn't happened in a very, very long time. And with the defense, I got to give it to secondary. The secondary shut down a very, very good wide receiving core for UNC, whether it be Josh Downs or Antoine Green. Now, I know Josh Downs ended up with like 121 yards, but a lot of that was in that garbage time at the end of the game. So I'm not really even going to count that. Jamie Robinson stepped up. Jerry and Jones, who a lot of people wanted benched, had a clutch interception where he actually, for the first time ever, looked up and spotted the ball and got it. And that's something that we've been wanting to wait for forever. So to me, it's the offensive line play and secondary. And like we played dominating football for an entire game. I haven't seen that since what, 2016? Yeah. And I want to point something out when you talk about uh, Downs having 121 yards, because that I think is a Pyrrhic victory of sorts in the sense that it was a very good strategy by, by Adam Fuller, much as we ripped on him, but I'm going to give him credit because I, I think this was his strategy was look, we know you've got an all-American caliber wide receiver. We know he's Sam Howell's favorite target. Let's bottle everyone up and see if you can beat us with one receiver. And the answer was they couldn't. One receiver, even with 121 yards, he had nine receptions, but I think he was targeted 16 times. So we basically forced them. We said, look, we gambled. We said, we're going to try to make them throw deep, and we're going to try to make them throw to their best receiver as much as possible. And we made it. So what does that mean? We ate up seven plays that were incompletions to downs. Uh, we made him go deep. One of those ended up in a pick. One of those I wanted to, to build on your point about the secondary was the Sidney Williams um, in the end zone, that coverage by him where he was beat. That ball goes deep. And that that's going to be in my, my the awesome, but I'm going to just spoil it a little now. That is why effort is so important. Sid's beat in the end zone and literally lays out, just stretches his arms forward and like the back of his hand kind of hits the ball. Like, it was, a, it was a beautifully defended play. No one on this team three years ago makes that kind of effort, right? And that's why I think people laugh at us. But when we say, hey, I know it sucks we've lost three games in a row, but at least they're putting an effort and trying the whole game. Well, now we saw what trying the whole game gets you when everything's clicking, right? Um, this team didn't go to sleep. Even the 2016 teams would just randomly go to sleep during the third quarter. Yeah, there was a quarter where UNC outscored us. But that's football. Football isn't just seven, 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 right? Things go in cycles. But I don't think I ever saw this team take their foot off the gas or just completely go to sleep. They were putting an effort on every single play, and it showed. The bad for me is we've got to, we really need a better answer to running quarterbacks. I mean, we were able to win the game. We held UNC, an offense that averages 37 points a game to 25 points, but we still let Sam Howell get 100 yards on the ground. And hey, I understand that it's like, well, Max, we won. So, you know, maybe that's, it's better he gets 100 yards on the ground than 300 through the air. Sure. But maybe we can learn to do both. Am I asking for too much there? Like, ¿Por maybe qué we... no los dos? ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> <laughs> As my dad always says whenever he's asking for, do you want servant turf, Mr. Silva? Do I want servant turf? Of course I want servant turf because I want both. But I would usually call you nitpicky for that. The problem is we play such a dominant game. It's really hard for me to pick out something. That is bad. Uh, with Sam Howell, to me, him rushing a lot, 
primarily is just because our defensive line dominated their old line as I thought was going to happen. And he has to, you know, extend the player. And also like he's super, he actually is for a stoutier kid. He's a pretty athletic kid. Yeah, he, He's good at the scamper. You're, you're right. I just, but it is something again, we're going to have to figure out because we are going to face other, you know, other rushing quarterbacks. And, you know, I think that our stat sheet is a little bit, a little bit deceptive. We're kind of blurring into the awesome. So let's just get into the awesome. Cause you're right. There isn't the bad, the yeah, awesome, I don't have one. <laughs> right. The, the, the awesome is how our whole defense played as a unit. You know, we've seen so many times this year where it, right. Well, it does. It feels like, okay, the D line's clicking. The D line's getting a lot of pressure, but excuse me. Oh my gosh. Excuse me Ooh. again. I apologize. I, I know it's just that you you know, I'm drinking a Coca-Cola. It's get you know, I had a little burp. Um, but yeah, so the defense the defensive line in a great game, a great game, you're going to get what four sacks, right? Mm-hmm. And an average team you play in the ACC is going to run 60 to 80 plays. So you really, even if your D line is the best in the country, maybe you get seven, right? But you can't expect to get a sack more than on what six, seven, eight percent of dropbacks. So how do I put this? So we'd be getting this great pressure, but but pressure only matters if. You're also covering downfield, so they don't have guys to throw the ball to, and they make panicky bad decisions. And we finally saw that this time. That was awesome to see. Again, that's why I said one sack is kind of deceptive because, yes, we only got one sack, and of course, it's Jermaine Johnson. Point being, you see them, they get this pressure, and they force Sam Howell to make bad decisions. That interception, that was that was in large part because the D-line made Sam Howell move the pocket three times. A lot of those batted down balls. You see the one, um, one of the ones defending in the end zone because as Sam Howell's stepping up, boom, elbow gets hit by Fabian Lovett. I mean, mm-hmm. just phenomenal execution. But if you look at an earlier game when Fabian Lovett hits that elbow and the ball's a little bit underthrown, if the defensive back is 10 yards away from the receiver, it wouldn't have mattered that the ball was, what, what was that ball, five feet underthrown maybe? I mean, we're talking about yeah. a very minor underthrow. Yeah. But when the DB is on him like white on rice, because both guys, the D lineman and the defensive back are playing their position. Well, it makes all the difference. And that goes from being a touchdown to a pass defendant. So that was the awesome for me was finally, it felt like we played team defense for the first time all season. Mine's going to be a little bit of a microcosm. I guess like a little more micro in your awesome, because mine was the depth that we had for defense. One of the big things that I was primarily worried about was Dennis Briggs being out for the year. Primarily because that really just poor chop block from the week before. I'm not going to get too deep into that because everyone knows how I feel about chop blocks. To me, seeing Malcolm Ray actually play a damn good game, and that's something that we really needed for him, is huge for me. Two, you had Kevin Knowles, a freshman cornerback who's kind of coming into his own right. Was actually able to spell, you know, a Jarvis Brownlee who had another great game, spell a Jamie Robinson. Just the depth that we saw from all levels of the defense. And even the linebackers didn't even they played a pretty decent game. I know grade-wise, they didn't come out amazing, but if you watch the game in its totality, A.J. Lundy covered. Amari Gaynor is one of the, was one of the best players actually for the entire year. And it was, I'm sorry, for the entire game. And to me, that just goes to show that depth-wise, this defense, when we're put up, when we actually have a fully healthy team, especially on the side of the ball, we can stop anybody. And quite honestly, it's something that we really, really love to see. So just a phenomenal game. There was a lot of good, very little bad, and a lot of awesome. But I want to have a little dessert because I'm a dessert guy. Before I give you guys a verbal dessert, though, let's have a real dessert with some Built Bar. As you know, 
Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So it's delicious, but it's also nutritious. It is exactly what you need. I bring one on the plane with me. I bring one on the golf course with me. I love to grab one when it's that weird like, okay, it's 11 o'clock. It's a little early for lunch, but a little hungry for breakfast. You know, like to grab one after the gym. I mean, you really can have one whenever. They're easy to eat. They're easy to grab. But most importantly, they taste amazing. Drake's a cherry barcia guy. I myself am a peanut butter brownie guy, although apparently there is a new cookie dough flavor that I've been told you have to try. So get yourself some Built Bars, folks. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Drizzy, let's give the people some dessert. And you already know where we're going with this. We are going over to College Station, Texas. now. I think Jimbo Fisher beating Nick Saban, the first assistant to ever beat Nick Saban, is so, so sweet. And before y'all turn this off, it's not because Jimbo beat Nick Saban. It's because Jimbo had two losses and then beat Nick Saban. So he finally got to beat Nick Saban, and it is wholly irrelevant. It doesn't win him a national championship. It doesn't let him get in the playoff conversation, and it doesn't even give him his own destiny or put him in the driver's seat of his own destiny for the SEC championship. So he finally did it, and it doesn't matter at all. And that makes me very, very happy, and I hope it makes all of you happy as well. I just love chaos, dude. I agree with you with that. It's just really, really funny that it's going to mean nothing. It's even funnier that, I mean, I personally don't care much for Alabama. I mean, I don't hate them. I don't like them. It's just more, hey, you know, I like Nick Saban more than anything else. I think he's hilarious. I think the way he's, you know, his image has been repaired over the past six, seven years. It's really kind of funny to watch, kind of root for the guy a little bit, especially, you know, you see his suits at the spring game. But it is really funny how Alabama team that we, I personally never give them, you know, the title before the year starts. I don't do that. I'm, I'm, I was the first one of the first people to say that um, Clemson, was not going to be that good. I don't give the, the trophy to Alabama every single year. It's really funny how Nick Saban loses to a, not only loses, he gets outcoached by an assistant who is using his backup quarterback, who also is injured as well. So to me, that that's sweet, but it's not as sweet as me going on every single talk show, not a talk show, but me going on every single podcast, me saying it on here, and me saying it on Twitter that we're going to win this game. And you laughed at me, Dave laughed at me, Ollie and Stacy, they they were a little bit, they're okay. They kind of laughed at me too. They chuckled a little bit. And then I look like a genius. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think Call you're me right, man. No, you're right, man. And look, I, I think that we deserve for dessert to have a little bit of a conversation with the fans before we head out of here. What does this do to expectations for the season? Because we were very melancholy. We, we were at the point where, okay, we thought we might be, five and oh up to this point you know and then north carolina was going to be the showdown or four and one you know with a loss to north uh, notre dame now we're we're one and four but we still get that win over north carolina and folks if you listen to our season preview we said that uh this was going to be our you know leg two of the season was notre dame to north carolina we're exactly halfway through the season we're not going to do a full 
post-mortem right now. In fact, that's the beauty of a bye week is we're going to have a chance to do that later this week, probably on Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to look back at, okay, what were our goals for leg two of the season and how did we measure up? But it's just it's just such a conundrum to, to be in of, okay, we basically failed entirely in the first five games of the season relative to what we wanted to do. We certainly failed miserably in the first three games. Then we win game four in a nail-biter against a team that most people don't regard very highly. But then we go out there and as, what, 16.5-point underdogs? We beat a team that started in the top five at home. Sorry, let me rephrase that because y'all, in case I'm not clear, on we were on the road. We go into Chapel Hill. We beat Sam Howell, who was an early Heisman front runner, a team that started in the top five. It's almost like, has this team turned a corner or I don't, let me ask two questions in there, Drake. One, how does winning this game versus having lost it change how you feel about or almost how you grade the team's performance in the first half of the season? And how does it shift your expectations head into the second half? Um, It's still disappointing to me. Primarily because that team that we saw against UNC probably was a team that we should have seen all year. Uh, it doesn't change my personal opinion of how the coaching staff handled Notre Dame. I think even if we had that Notre Dame Travis for the full game, I think we still was still a little lost that game. The play calling in Jacksonville State still haunts me to this day. The game plan against Wake is just to me it's it's still extremely disappointing because that we saw the full potential with that team with UNC whether it be offensive play calling, whether it be defensive personnel using, if you saw like actually at the game, Brownlee played a lot more safety than corner. And that was one of the big things that we have been clamoring for for the past two weeks. So to me, moving forward, I just want to see a team that can enjoy a win. However, don't rest in the laurels like we saw last year with this UNC team. It's also primarily because to me, it's also that it shows that Mac Brown is just not someone that can actually ever beat FSU. So to me, I just, I need to see I need to see sustainability. I need to see this being built off of more than anything else, but it doesn't really change my perception with this team. So I'm, I'm personally in the camp that we just need to see, just take a one day at a time moving forward because that's how we got hurt last year. And that's how we got earlier in the year with Notre Dame. Yeah. And look, I, I think that I was trying not to say this because I don't want to copy our friends over at on the bench or our friends on the Nolcast, which are two great podcasts that if you, have time, you know, feel free to check out on Sundays. They do an instant reaction. We don't. And I think they both do a great job of it. And they both made this point, but I think it bears uh, repeating that this was not like last year's UNC win. Last year's UNC win, our expected win, our, our post-game win expectancy. Again, if you're not familiar with that, Bill Connolly, I believe it is, his computer takes all the stats from the game, starting field positions, turnovers, Rushing yards, passing yards, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, anything you can imagine simulates the game a thousand times. It says, okay, based on these stats, you should have won that game. You had a 58% chance to win that game, right? Last year against UNC, our post-game win expectancy was below 50%. So based on the statistics, we should have lost. This year, our post-game win expectancy was like 89% based on those stats. So there was no question we should have won that game. Very, very different UNC win than we saw last year. One last question. If we beat Jacksonville State, and I know this is a hypothetical, but bear with me. If we had beaten Jacksonville State, we don't give up that last Hail Mary. We're actually in cover four or quarters or even a prevent defense the way we should have been. And we're three and three. And our losses are to, you know, a six and oh Wake Forest team. 
uh, currently one loss, one loss um, Notre Dame team whose only loss is to Cincinnati, who once the rankings drop are probably going to be a top four team. And who was our, who was our third loss again? Louisville and Louisville, right on a, on a close game. Let's say we lost the exact same way, where we fought hard, we showed that we could hang into a game, and we almost came back. Do you consider this a success? This first half of the season, three. And I don't three. mean I don't mean I don't mean a you know a rousing success, but would you say hey that was a good first half, or would you still be disappointed by by that three and three record? I don't know if disappointed. Maybe more bummed, but not disappointed. Primarily because my faith in this team that 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 Notre Dame game was just so damn winnable to me that yep. this team should, in my personal opinion, should be four and two. Like that's really like as Wake Forest as you said, and like as I've, I've been saying too, is probably the best team in the conference right now. And also Louisville, I don't like Scott Saffield, but he's finally I think actually acclimating his game plan, his playbook, his play calling to Malik Cunningham, who is now a top five quarterback in the conference. I would not mind having those two being losses now. With the Jacksonville State thing, that's that's more the game that I lost a lot of faith in everyone in that building. But these past two weeks kind of you know gave me a little more reason not for optimism, but like okay maybe we you know I'll give you no, like another chance, kind of like how I am with my diet plan. But we'll see how that turns out as well. So to me, I don't know. Disappointing is the right answer. More to like man, we're three and three. Like that's that is an improvement from last year. It meets our win total, yep. but I'm like we could have beat just a little bit better. I agree. Yeah, I think for me, it's just that that Jacksonville State loss is just such a blemish on the record. And I think we all need to take a lesson from golf and realize that, hey, you're going to have quadruple bogeys. You're going to have you're going to card a 10 on some par fives, but you got to move on from it. So the reason I asked you that question, Drake, I kind of buried the lead there. I would challenge every Florida State fan listening to this. As you look back on the first half of the season, remove that Jacksonville State game. It's not off the schedule. I'm not saying we didn't lose it. I'm not saying it wasn't ugly. I'm saying, in the words of Cam Brady from the campaign, if Mike Norvell were asked about that game and he got to give an answer, he would look at you and go, ah, up. We get it. That was a horrible loss. But besides that one loss, it was a very winnable Notre Dame game, and we've had a lot of great moments. So just, I'm not saying, hey, be like, yeah, Max, you're right, the the team is just, they're so great. We're going to pretend we didn't lose to an FCS team. We did. I get that. But for me, what we should expect moving forward is I think you're finally starting to see it come together. Maybe I'll be here in three weeks and we've lost two more games and I'll be totally wrong. But I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I would be more optimistic about this team. Than I think most people's brains are going to let them be. But with that message, I'm Max at Max Moody 17 That's Andre Silva at tally underscore underscore Drake. Together, we are locked on Seminoles, but we are also at Knowles Anonymous. So with that, we're done for the day. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. And enjoy the bye week because we're going to win ours like Miami lost theirs. Go Knowles, baby. Hey, 2-0 in the last two games. That's all I need. Two power five wins. Suck it, man, Yeah, yeah.